I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Pillars, Pillars, Pillars of Franchising! Pillars, Pillars, Pillars of Franchising! Good afternoon and welcome to yet another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Today on our show, we have a very special guest, Jeremy Morgan from WellBiz. You may have seen that on our starting credits. We're going to get uh, started with his interview in just a moment. But first, Karen, what's going on? You got word on the street? Boy, lots of word on the street. But my favorite one this past week is about Denny's. You know, Denny's is a full service diner. And, um, you know, so many franchises, especially in the whole food service industry, they have such a hard time finding people, keeping people. Oh, yeah. It's such a struggle. And so one of the things that they've committed to, it's a three-year commitment to to a whole education program. And I think that's pretty impressive, really putting some some money and thought behind it. And it's really for their, um, it's for their employees. It's also for future employees. Well, so this is not just for the leaders, like their management team. This is for right. a wait staff, bus boy, whoever might need. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's things like, you know, communication skills, like life skills, mm-hmm. you know, how to handle conflict, really preparing people for the yeah. work world. Um, you know, even like high schoolers that want to be in, in restaurant, helping them get their GEDs, helping them you know, then make, you know, whatever they take, then turning it into college credits and really kind of coming up awesome. with a like a life plan. And helping yeah. them see that the restaurant industry can can actually be something for them. And, you know, and I, I love it because I think a lot of companies are trying to find creative ways. And I think this is an awesome way of giving back and yeah, then actually absolutely. helping their business. Well, you know, we talk a lot about culture and um, the ability to retain talent. And I think that this is a great move by Denny's being that they are in a high turnover slash turnover position here with their help. And if you think about some of the people, not just even in Denny's, but in a lot of positions like that, again, whether you're a busboy or you're a server or whatnot, many of them land there because they don't have the money to go on to college. They don't have the opportunities that others have. And so the fact that Denny's has recognized this and is starting to make moves forward, I think is awesome. Um, any downside that you see to this for them? You know, I really, I really don't. I mean, you know, it could be where they invest and then someone goes, they leave. But one of the things that even when I was reading the article, they said, you know, it's almost like that's okay. Because, because then if it's preparing people for the future and so many times, you know, today we think, oh, people have to go to college. Even if people have the means, sometimes they're just not cut out for it. That's right. I think they're just saying, hey, we're going to, you know, we're just going to, we're going to invest this way. We, you know, we're going to try to draw more people. So I don't really, I mean, do you see any downsides to this? I, I don't. Anything that would be, I think it, it benefits the customers because think about it. We might actually even get better service all the way, all the way around with restaurants, even if they leave and go to another restaurant, right? The communication sure. skills, you know, getting, just having more, you know, polished people, people in this, I think it, it's going to help us. It's going to help yeah. the franchisor, the franchisee went all the oh. way around. I'll tell you, for for me, in my perspective, hearing that Denny's has decided to give back to the people and essentially, to your point, to the community, right? Um, I haven't been into a Denny's in a long time, but 
I could really go for a super bird right now because I hope it's still on the menu. It's been that long. I like but, desserts. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, right. To, to know that you're going to go and be a part of something bigger. Those right. are the kinds of stores that I like to, to give money to. And uh, hopefully it works out well for them. Hats off to you, Denny's. Super proud to see that you're indeed giving back to those who work for you, um, who just need a little extra help. So Yes, and for all of you, go out there and uh, go to Denny's and uh, have a dessert or dinner. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Absolutely. And here we are with Jeremy Morgan. Jeremy is the CEO for WellBiz Brands. Jeremy, can you tell us a little about yourself? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for thanks for having me on. Um, I'm the CEO of Wellbiz Brands. As you as you mentioned, we're a beauty and wellness platform. We oversee five brands in our portfolio: Amazing Lash, Dry Bar, Elements Massage, Radiant Waxing, and Fitness Together. Those all sound like fabulous brands. Oh, it's a it's a it's a really really fun collection of brands and, and a really fun group of franchisees as well. Well, now I'm really curious to know how you landed with WellBiz, but but first I have to say, as I sort of mentioned to you before the show, you are a guy who is like on the ground, involved in the community. I'm really impressed. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the work that you've been doing, um, both in Illinois and then back in where you are now in Denver? Yeah, look, I'm a I'm a just a big believer in in kind of giving back to the community broadly, both, you know, with time and with money, depending on what the situation, um, what the situation entails. I'm involved with the Boys and Girls Club, um, have been um, back in Chicago before I moved to Denver, boy, almost 13 years ago now, um, mm -hmm. and also here in Denver. Um, I'm, I'm also really involved with um, I, our Denver Metro Chamber Leadership Foundation, um, and they do a lot of leadership programs for emerging leaders around the city. Um, and I've, I've gotten more involved there. And uh, more recently, I joined, um, you may, it's, it's really apropos for this conversation. There's a new um, Linegar Center of Franchising at Denver, at the University of Denver. Um, and I joined the advisory board um, there. And it just, uh, they're kind of kicking off their inaugural classes as of the summer. Um, and, you know, hoping to turn that into something that should be a really great platform for emerging uh, franchise leaders. I'll tell you, I'm on the advisory board for the Titus Center of oh, Franchising. Great. Yeah, so we should really talk because it's, it is so amazing to see young people get interested in franchise along with their, whether it's a marketing degree or business degree or whatever it happens to be. Um, it's very, very cool. And I want to give you a shout out because just, a, I'll say a couple years back, um, you were also uh, named as a 40 under 40 class leader. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able yeah. to get that award anymore. <laughs> the, that's that why ship I said just, unfortunately. Just a couple years ago. But I think that's really cool because that really uh, that really pronounces you being a leader. And and a lot of times what people forget is that the more involved you are in your community, when you go into leadership roles like you have now, where you're over, you know, five different brands or four different brands and all of these different locations, do you find that some of the experience you've had in the community and in these other groups have helped you lead the team that you have today? Oh, my gosh, without a doubt. I mean, I think, you know, franchising is just a, a unique industry anyway. The, the whole the whole thing is how do you relate to people and work through people, both. Obviously, I have my own team, my employees, but the vast majority of how we get things done is through working with our franchisees who are very much not my employees. Um, and, you know, I think that 
you know, working in the community, getting to know people in various different contexts. Um, one, I think um, that makes me better for my job. But honestly, I think, um, you know, spending a lot of time with all of our franchisees also makes me better at being a community advocate in, in various things as well. And so it's, it's really a win-win proposition overall. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about WellBiz and what it is that you're looking to achieve in, now and then again in the next you know, few years or so. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I mentioned, we have these five brands on our platform, but really the, the overarching thesis behind WellBiz, what we're trying to do is, is bigger than any one of our brands. Um, we aspire to be and like to think that we are among kind of um, the um, really top uh, franchise platforms. And and we define that in a, a pretty specific way. We seek out concepts that fit some pretty specific criteria. But boy, when they fit those criteria, we think we're in a position to uniquely add value to those systems, to those franchise ownerships. So the things that we look for, it starts by being in the beauty and wellness space. Um, all of our, we, we think there's amazing tailwinds in those in, in, in those industries. Um, having good tailwinds behind you typically makes you look smart and uh, you know, makes some things a little bit easier. Um, we all of our brands are in personal services and the way that we define that is it means you have to spend time one-on-one -on -one with a real human licensed uh, service provider so whether that's a massage therapist at elements an esthetician at amazing lash or radiant a personal trainer at fitness together or a cosmetologist at dry bar you're really like spending that one-on-one -on -one time and a part of the reason that's important for us is you know everything's going online and at the end of the day you, know, you have to see a person to get a massage and so we think it puts a nice moat around our business model if it if it requires that in-person interaction um that became a little more challenging during covid uh by the way um yes. but uh you know that that's a big part of our thesis all of our brands focus on a mass affluent female customer so uh, middle to upper income um, woman who is kind of seeking these various different beauty and, and wellness services. So we know her really well. Um, and that helps us um, leverage insights across our brands on things like digital marketing and building membership programs, et cetera. Membership or highly recurring revenue is, is kind of our fourth pillar, uh, to use a good word for this part podcast. But we look for services that people need to use over and over and over again. They're not necessarily special occasions. Um, they're not kind of once a year. They're kind of an everyday indulgence maybe, but an everyday occasion. And then yeah. last but not least, we do this in a multi-unit brick and mortar retail franchising con context. And, you know, franchising itself, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, is its own unique business model and, and right. doing that well, particularly for first-time franchisees and small business owners, um, we think we're really pretty good at. So we, we seek out those things that are in common, and then we, you know, really dig in on the categories we want to be a part of and the brands that um, are uh, best suited to, to deliver a best-in-class service. So so that's really what holds the, the whole thing together. And, you know, we, we built it through um, a combination of you know, working with franchisees to build their their top line sales within their locations, building units within these brands, and then of course M and A over time. Um, Amazing Lash was acquired in 2018, and Dry Bar and Radiant Waxing in 2021. Uh, and uh, you know, in total, we now have almost 900 locations and about 600 million dollars in system wide sales. Wow, that is impressive. Now, I want to point out something because a lot of people, um, when they come to me and they're looking to buy a brand they are looking for that recurring revenue model. So I think that's really interesting that that is really kind of one of the targets that you all look, look for. Um, 
And I have to assume that that also plays into your platform, the WellBiz One. Is that kind of uh, the key to making all those pieces fit together? You want to talk about that? Yeah, it does. So, so membership broadly, I mean, really, it only works first of all. Like it, it, it's amazing for a franchise owner having that predictability of the cash flow. But it really only works if it's a good value proposition for the consumer. Like it, you know, if you try to unnaturally package a membership together in a way that a consumer is not terribly interested. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, you're pushing a boulder uphill a little bit. Fortunately, it gets to like having being in categories where the brands are just by very nature, like looking at kind of a recurring type of customer and then building a membership that makes a great value uh, proposition for them is a big part of it. Technology is a big enabler. So you mentioned our mm -hmm. WellBiz One platform. One of the things that we do at WellBiz is we really do spend a lot of time trying to think about what are the things that our brands have in common? A way that that often shows up is through technology. So all of our brands are on a common point of sale system, a common online booking engine, a common set of uh, KPI reporting, a common set uh, of learning management systems and applicant tracking systems. It makes our team able to take these playbooks we've developed and these technologies that we've developed and plug them into emerging concepts when we acquire them and kind of sure. give them that, you know, it kind of just skips a couple innings forward to use a, a sports analogy on like giving them the tools that would probably take a while for them to build organically on their own. And that right. comes with the expertise on my team on how to work with franchisees to leverage um, those right. tools. And, and the membership um, aspect of it really ties into how WellBiz One works, works overall. Now, the interesting thing about your brands um, with so many different, I, I call them umbrella companies, um, you've done a really good job at identifying who your avatar is. It's the you know middle to high income female in most of those cases. Do you find or have you had um, franchisees who have one brand and then they decide to invest in another brand under your platform? Oh, we do for sure. In fact, it's in a lot of ways, it's our first pitch. When we acquire a new brand, one of the first things we do before we go out and start selling it broadly, either you know through organic leads or through brokers or whatever, is there's kind of like a friends and family type of situation. So if one of our elements owners wants to get into the dry bar system, like they're going to get first bite of that apple in, in their trade area if there's not one there already. And we've had many of our friends, I mean, we're, we have, you know, several dozen groups at this point that are participating in more than one system. We have several that are participating in three. And it's, it's really become a nice way for our, some of our franchisees to grow their empire because ultimately there's, there's kind of two ways you can become a multi-unit owner within an existing system. Um, right. But that sometimes requires a geographic spread that like might make it a little bit challenging um, for the family that owns that. By yeah. having a multi-brand approach, you can potentially put these even in the same shopping center, but but yeah. certainly kind of all within driving distance of your house. And so there's pros and cons of those approaches. You have to learn some different things on different brands if you're doing multi-brand, but you can keep them all really close. You know, yeah. if you do multi-unit within one, like, well, you're kind of running that same playbook, but you might yeah. have to, you know, drive a couple hours or something, um, particularly right. if you're in, you know, some smaller markets and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Really good point. So I, one of the things that I like to talk about with um, folks like you, because we have so many listeners who are considering the brands that we talk to, right? They're listening and saying, okay, well, WellBiz contains these four brands. Let's feel them out, hear what he has to say. Um you all share, I assume, like a common marketing group. Is that right? Do you That's share right. The same? 
Yep, that's right. So our team is structured um, even a little different than other than other franchise platforms. Frankly, we um, it goes back to seeking out that 80, 85 percent of things that our brands have in common. So I'll, uh, I'm going to circle back to how the team is set up. But when you think about this through a franchisee lens or customer lens, all of our con all of our concepts have a front desk where there is a worker that is answering the phones, selling memberships, kind of doing the customer service. All of our brands have a one-on-one -on -one appointment that is probably about an hour long, um, where they are effectively like purchasing time uh, to get a blowout, get their eyelashes done, get a massage done, get personal training, et cetera. These are all in 1,500 square foot, roughly uh, retail locations that are probably out in front of a Whole Foods or a Target um, or, yeah. or something else. So the things that the franchisees need for their playbooks are, how do I use digital marketing to drive people in for the first time? How do I go about training my front desk to do membership sales? How do I go about leveraging a learning management system to train those service providers on how to do a dry bar blowout or how to do a massage elements? Um, you know, how do I go about finding real estate or building like, so those things are pretty darn similar, even though the dry bar customer experience is very different than the amazing last customer experience. And so my team is set up with those things. So I have a membership sales team that works across all the brands. I have a digital marketing team that works across all the brands. Our real estate and construction team works across all of the brands. We have about a 130 person team with the exception of a few folks that are more in like the, the service provider training world, which is pretty specialized. People yeah. really carry a well-biz business card, not a brand specific business card because they are working across our concepts. And yeah. what that allows us to do is bring resources to bear like a 900 unit chain for a brand that might only have 70 or 100 or 200 units. Um, and it's, you know, ideally gets the best of both worlds um, as as we kind of bring those resources to bear for franchise owners. That's interesting. So um, I think the the nice thing, because as you said, it's such one on one personal service, you can have a franchise coach or a business coach out there. And it's really just the same thing except for like you said the technical stuff like if somebody's you know yeah if someone needs help with the with how to do the eyelash extension service we have a stylist right. training team that does that but yeah. you know the because the the business engine is actually pretty similar the mm -hmm. kpis are really similar the coaches are able to coach on membership conversion and membership attrition and yeah you know service provider retention and you know, we've got our set of key metrics and they are, again, probably about 80% the same across the brands, which means yep. the business coaches are able to work with multiple people and multiple brands. And oh, by the way, one of the value propositions is that when we have a franchisee that owns multiple brands, yeah. they can have one business coach that works That's with awesome. them across all of them because it's similar tools, same person, which is a really big value add for that franchise owner. They don't have to talk to three different people because they're in three different brands. They can yeah. really work with their primary point of contact on everything. That's awesome. So tell me, I'm obviously, you know, when you think about somebody who's a single unit owner, you kind of think of one avatar, but then when you think about somebody who's going to own, I'm envisioning the shopping plaza with three or four different brands in it, right? Because I love that idea. What type of individual are you looking for as a franchisee? And what is that going to cost them to get into something like that? So most of our, so the vast majority of our franchisees, um, not all, but like probably about half, it's their first time being a small business owner or a franchisee. So it is a, it is a first time experience. We, we certainly have 
folks that are in other brands and have have done things before, but like probably half haven't. Um, so we're really, really comfortable with working with that first time entrepreneur um, on things. Um, our concepts, um, and you know, it's a little, every FDD is a little bit different. Every concept's a little bit, but roughly these are about $500,000 to build a location, depending on the market, depending on the brand. Um, and so it's a, you know, relatively higher net worth and liquidity requirement in order to be able to bring on that type of debt or be able to get your get yourself going. Um, but it's also, you know, something that, you know, for for most, uh, we were using the word corporate refugee before, Kristen, but for most yeah. folks that have had like a pretty successful career in middle management, like if they've built a little bit of a nest egg, like they're probably yeah. going to qualify to be a franchisee in one of our brands. That's awesome. And, you know, I think that's one of the questions that we keep getting asked by people is, you know, do I have to be a millionaire to No, you really don't franchise? have to. Yeah. And, and really, you know, there's a lot of great funding out there available as well. And that, you know, let's say you did a three pack. So you're looking at 1.5 million. That's if you want to do three. And and quite right. frankly, you know, most people probably start with one and then they go to the next and they go to the next once they start hitting cash positives. That kind of how they. That's, that's exactly right. And to your point on the funding, I think, you know, when you compare it to what trying to hang your own shingle and start your own thing, like good luck getting a bank to give you a loan on your own personal unproven concept. But there are plenty of lending partners out there that are happy to provide lending to a proven franchise concept. So yes, it may cost $500,000 to get an Elements Massage open, but you can probably get a loan for several hundred thousand dollars to get it open. And if you were doing that with your own massage concept, probably a bank's not going to be terribly eager to provide that kind of funding. For sure, we it's it's that's such good such a good point. So, um, how, what's kind of your goal here in the next three to five years with Wellbiz? What's your vision? Well, I mean, so we are always while, while we view our for sure we view ourselves as an M and A platform. However, really, our that's more opportunistic than anything else. Our core focus is how do we build top line with our franchisees on the locations they have, and how do we build unit count in the brands that we own? I mean, that is like buy a lot, plan A and plan B or strategy one or strategy two, you know, we're, you know, we got plenty to do with the brands we have and the franchise owners we have. Now, if the right type of concept were to come along in the right category, we're going to jump all over that. Um, You know, we went from acquiring Amazing Lash in 2018. We didn't do anything for three years and then we did two and then we haven't done anything since. So, you know, if it's the right opportunity, we're going to be aggressive about it and want to bring that in. Um, But like, the right thing doesn't come along. We don't have to buy other brands just for the sake of buying the brands. We've got we got plenty of growing to do with and white space to work with on on the concepts that are already underneath the umbrella. For sure, I don't always think that the biggest brand, the biggest uh, platform wins. I think sometimes you can be overcommitted to too many brands and then not deliver well to anybody. So it can become really challenging. I think part of that brand and concept fit. I mean, we we have been really deliberate about the type of concepts we bring into the portfolio. And so I want concepts that have a front desk with that. Like, and boy, like that's just not everything. So, you know, it it limits the universe of things that um, we might consider. But on the flip side of that is when the right thing comes along, like you kind of know it when you see it. It's like, hey, that's something that we can really hopefully add a lot of value to um, if if they were to become a part of WellBiz. Well, because you have this, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today who owns a 
not one of your brands, but a brand that requires that one-on-one similar to massage, but not massage. Right. right? Um, And he had said today that post COVID their ability to get more clients to come in and sign up and recruit from that perspective was much more of a challenge than they expected it to be because in pre-COVID it was so easy, but now it's a little different. Do you see that to be the case in some of your brands and what are you doing to overcome that? You know, to some extent, so A, I'm I'm glad to hear that uh, other brands see a little bit of that as well. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that are different in a post-COVID environment. Frankly, the thing on our end that I think has been the biggest adjustment has been the employment environment. So, I mean, our franchisees, employees, those those team members, like, I mean, they are the product. Like, you don't have anything to sell if you don't have a massage therapist there or a personal trainer there to perform that service. And as we all know, unemployment's been, you know, 3%. Um, It's been uh, kind of an inflationary environment with wages. Like, it's competitive out there to find great folks. Um, That's probably been... Um, the critical path to growth, like I, I we, we, uh, you know, like, like there's plenty of consumer demand for our services. Frankly, yes. you know, if we had more service providers, we would have more business, um, almost definitely. That's gotten in the last six months, that's eased up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. it's still like harder than it was in 2018, yeah. but it's better than it was in 2022. Part of the dynamic actually is that. Our concepts do rely on folks, um, many folks that are coming out of school for the first time. And the truth is, like, not that many people were going to beauty school in 2020 and 2021. They all shut down. So we kind of lost a class or two of folks that would kind of normally be our bread and butter for introducing them into hair care or massage therapy or personal training. And, and, you know, we're kind of finally kind of getting to the other side of like that being a, a core issue, but it was, it was really tough in 2021, 2022. Oh yeah. You forget about that lag, the gap, right? I mean, I see it in my kids in the way that they behave and perform at school, but you forget about how that affects our workplace and the young people coming into it. So yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, that's a really it, great point. It's exactly right. And, you know, I do think that there is, I don't think, I think it'd be too strong to say there's membership fatigue, but for certain, I think people are really wanting to make sure they're putting their money behind the things that matter the most to them. And so, yes. you know, it's important to be in concepts that are really kind of fixtures and how people think about going through their day-to-day lives. Yeah, for sure. So you've got you've got these brands. So let's just review that for WellBiz, you have Dry Bar, Amazing Lash Studio, Radiant Waxing, Elements Massage, and Fitness Together. You got it. Of all of those brands, what do you think, kind of throwing them all together, what are the top three FDD items that you think are really important for somebody looking to make an investment in one of your brands? Yeah, I mean, look, for for I'm a big believer in just broadly kind of cash on cash return kind of metrics. So I'm always interested, hey, what is it going to cost to build? And once they are kind of a more mature unit, like what what can I expect to make out of these things? And you know our brands, it, it's it's one of the best part of being in a membership model. Um, but I, and I spent some time in my career in restaurants, but it does take some while a while to build up membership, right? So to get to that maturity takes a little bit of time to to build up the business. Um, the the really really good news on our concepts, all of them, um, they're 
fairly simple business models in the scheme of things. In the scheme of things, selling a massage for $80 and you're probably paying a massage therapist $22, $23. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're on a recurring credit card payment. Like, you know, if, if you are able to get enough business that that incremental business really is very lucrative, about mm-hmm. 50% will flow through the bottom line. You, of course, right. have to pay your fixed cost, your rent, your manager, your front desk labor. Yeah. Um, but once you've kind of got over that hurdle, it's, it's really, really strong. We target kind of, 25 to 30% cash on cash returns. It's a, again, a little different by brand, depending on the ramp up curve and what the build out costs um, look like. But I love looking at the, the overall revenue numbers and I love looking at the build out um, cost numbers. That's almost always when I'm evaluating a competitor concept. Like yep. those are the pages I flip to right away. Okay, that's great. I appreciate that. I think um, if you look through, and I, I don't have them all memorized, but six and seven have some really important things, eight and nine. And then item 19 is the big overall view for um, the financials. And I think that's really important, too, because that shows people how kind of the unit economics breaks down and rolls up into the franchisor numbers. So I really appreciate it. It's been so great to have you on. And these brands are super exciting. I've got to look and see which ones are in my area because I, I was in Vegas. And I did see Dry Bar in the big mall there. Oh, uh, you probably saw that. The, yeah, so we have uh, we have three Dry Bars in Vegas, a fourth one opening. But you might have seen the one in the Cosmo, or you might have seen one um, over at uh, Fashion Show. Um, it sounds like you might have been over at Fashion Show in the mall. Yeah. So um, those are the ones that are the closest to the strip. Yeah, and I was so interested. I thought, gosh, I just wish I had somewhere to go. I'd have them do my hair. But where <laughs> hey, you I? don't you don't need somewhere to go to look great, Kristen. You know, it's a <laughs> It's a nice little, uh, it's a nice little way to treat yourself. Yeah, right. I, I'm really curious to having that done. So that is really cool. You know, I, I also think that it's awesome that you previously had a 91% glass door CEO approval rating. I mean, Jeremy, that's, we don't get many people on that talk about some of their personal accomplishments. And so for people who are listening and wondering about these brands, I would definitely encourage you to take a look. Um, if you go to WellBiz Brands, you'll actually see all the brands that they own. And uh, Jeremy, we're going to have all of your social media uh, uh, links and all those things online for our guests to look at in the credits. So I hope that you'll come back and talk with us again um, because I'd like to learn even more about each individual brand. So whether it's of you course, or your I'd be, I'd be well, Thank you for having me. And I'd be, you know, be thrilled to come back again sometime if you'd love, if you'd like to have me. Yeah, that's so awesome. Thank you so much and have a great day in Denver. All right. Thank you. And coming up next, hey, we're franchise have owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y dot com. Hello. Hi, Tom. Hello, Karen. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's been a while. I don't think I've been on the show with you. But uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen Tom, Tom Porterfield, he has 30 years experience uh, working with franchisors and franchisees and Tom's CPA and a certified franchise executive. So you've got a lot, lot of, lot of years in this business, in this franchise business. Yep. Makes me sound old. Oh, no, never, (laughs) (laughs) never. So great, great interview with Jeremy. Um, I love, just love unique ways of of franchising. Yeah. um, Made me, uh, I pulled up their brands, pulled up their website, made me think about getting the massage. Yeah. I was thinking about going to the dry bar and then headed to Denny's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that works for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, well, you know, last last week we were talking about um, franchising and talking, of course, and talking about, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about the new franchises. And we were talking about some considerations to, to, to make when purchasing a um, an existing franchise. So we really want to continue that conversation with you today, kind of get your expertise and, and thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you know it's certainly an option for people. You tend to think whenever you think about franchising and looking at an opportunity, you tend to think about a startup unit. But you know, in many cases, there are resales that are out there, and uh, you might not even know about it unless you you actually talk to the franchisor. They may be aware of someone that wants to exit or is thinking about that, and and has a good location, a good uh, business that uh, they're ready to to exit, and it would provide a great opportunity for someone. Exactly. So if someone is interested in kind of like buying an existing franchise business, I mean, what do you think based on your expertise or some of the key things that uh, they'd want to look for? Yeah, you know, it probably depends on on the buyer, right? Um, and, you know, if it's someone that is new to franchising that is not in the franchising business, it's really kind of twofold for them. They've got to look at not only what the business does and what the business looks like that they're buying, but they've also kind of got to vet the franchisor, right? And make sure that that's really what they want to do uh, versus someone that maybe is already in that brand franchising. They just want to add another unit. It, you know, it's a different set of circumstances. They're really doing due diligence just on that franchise unit that they're looking at versus someone that's not in the franchising business. They've really got to do due diligence on the franchisor as well as the location that they're looking at acquiring. Exactly. And I think sometimes, you know, we were talking last week where sometimes um, people are like, oh, okay, well, it's existing. So it, it seems okay. And it's been successful. And they'll kind of do a broad brush. But really, maybe they need to kind of stop and say, okay, let me let me dig into this a little bit further and take a look at some of the different elements. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Making sure it is a good fit for what they want to do, what their lifestyle is, what what their expertise is, what they bring to the table and, right. and everything. Uh, what are some of the, what are some of the key metrics? What are some things where, when, you know, when someone's evaluating the pur- purchasing an existing franchise location, are there some key metrics they should be looking at some examples of that? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you know, also going to depend on what the business is, right? right. You know, and Jeremy did a great job, um, you know, on, on um, what he presented earlier and his brands and everything. And they've got KPIs. I'm sure that, that they're looking at um, every every business has different KPIs, but you know there's one thing that's really common across everything. If you're especially if you're going to make an acquisition, and that's EBITDA. You know you really have got to look at what cash flow is getting generated from that unit to justify a purchase price. Really, um, you know, and and Jeremy also mentioned lending. Um, you know, borrowing if you're going out to acquire 
a franchise location and you're going to do financing, you're going to have to have a, a debt service um, ratio there where you're, you're generating enough cash, probably 1.2 minimum uh, cash flow to your debt service. So, you know, if you've got a, um, you know, <clears throat> just in rough terms, but if you've got a, a $7,500 a month, you know, payment to service the, the acquisition debt, you're going to be needing to generate a minimum probably of around 10000 in cash flow a month for that for that lender to be comfortable with that. Right. So, so knowing those metrics and then also what's behind the metrics too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Which is really important to make sure you can actually meet that. Yeah. You know, we always start, we kind of start with EBITDA, right? Right. And then depending on what business you're in, you know, kind of backing up from that, looking at, you know, uh, Jeremy mentioned he had, he came out of a, a restaurant background, you know, a restaurant is, you know, really the key metrics there are looking at your food cost and your labor cost. I mean, that's an easy example there. Um, you've got to hit those numbers to get the margins to cover your fixed overhead and, and produce that EBITDA that you want. So those are, those are metrics and it varies probably in what segment you're in, in restaurant, but typically, right. you know, somewhere in that mid 20% for labor and mid 20% for food content is critical. And like I said, that'll, that'll vary a little bit depending on what system you're in, but you have got to understand those metrics and manage to those metrics if you're going to hit your EBITDA targets. Right. And, and, and you know, we always advise where it's, you want to ask questions, not just look at it and go, okay, I can do that. But really, again, get, get behind, get behind the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to understand it. And, you know, really that cash flow and, you know, Jeremy mentioned that, you know, the looking at, at the cash that the business yes. generates is really key to what you can pay for it. it it's certainly key to what, you know, for what you can finance uh, if you're if you're doing a financing situation on an acquisition. So what um, based on your experience of you know working with with franchisees, franchisors and and if you're a franchise or you're, you're a franchisee and you're taking a look at an existing system or existing franchise and you want to buy it. What are some red flags you should look for before buying anything that kind of pops out that you've seen? Oh, boy. Well, certainly you want to look at profitability. I mean, if you're if you're buying a. a, a, a a location or a unit that maybe lags what the what the peer group um, for that franchise system does, uh, that would be a red flag to me. You know, if if the typical franchise generates fifteen percent EBITDA and the one you're looking at does eight, um, huge red flag. Um, you know, if they've been in business for a while and they haven't grown, they're st- stagnant or they're not you know, at where the average is for that system, that would be another red flag. Um, anything that's just an anomaly, you know, and it doesn't mean that there's not a reason and it doesn't mean that you can't overcome that, but you better know why they aren't hitting the numbers that would be expected in that system if, if you're looking at one that's not hitting the numbers. So what are your what are your thoughts on, um, you know, last week we talked a little bit about the, the people side, the people side of buying a franchise, which, mm-hmm. again, th- that's such a critical piece to that in addition to the, and it actually impacts the financials, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, a good manager um, has an impact on the employees that you have in that franchise in that unit. Um, you know, if and it also depends if you're looking right, if you're that individual person that is looking to buy a unit. 
that's on the market, or you're a you're already a franchisor that has locations of that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those scenarios are different, right? There's probably more risk for the individual. Um, you know, if you're if you're buying a location and it's got people, um, you got to figure out do I want to retain those people? And if they're really good, how are you going to incentivize them to stay? Um, And then on the other hand, if you already have multiple units and you're just maybe acquiring an adjacent territory, you've got a little bit more flexibility because you may have someone up and coming within your current locations that you could put in there um, maybe to overcome some of the weaknesses in that location you're acquiring. Right. Did I answer your question? No, you did. You did. So um, just one, one last question. So yeah. what one piece of advice do you have for someone? Just one key piece of advice that you say, okay, make sure you do this. Don't forget to do this or don't forget to look at that. Anything that you could, you could, uh, you could share with our listeners? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many things I'd like to say, right? But we typically, if, if, you're, if you're thinking about buying a franchise, you're thinking, well, I'm going to start up a unit, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's pros and cons to both, right? You've got that ramp up. Jeremy talked about, you know, ramp up and there's a risk at that because you don't know that how quickly you're going to hit the numbers that you need to meet your goals. Um, whereas if you're buying an existing, you know, location, you do have a history there, yes. right? Yes. Um, so, you know, I think the, the key um, thing that I would say is if you know you want to buy an existing location, think about, you know, the brands that you're interested in. And I would probably make a call to that franchisor and and start a conversation with them. They may know someone, maybe it's not where you live, but maybe it's in a location you might want to relocate to, right? Um, Where you might want to retire or, or, you know, um, you know, have a uh, franchise location. So they know their owners better than anyone else, right? They should know their franchisees. Absolutely. Else. They may have someone who has a great business that's looking at exiting it maybe in the next three to five years. That gives you a great opportunity maybe to come in and work with them and acquire that location. So I would be thinking about making those phone calls uh, and starting that conversation, getting to know the brand that you want to work with and see what opportunities they're aware of. They might be able to help you uh, get into that market. Sounds good. Great pieces of advice, Tom. And and uh, looking forward to hearing more from you, future segments. Um, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. 50 graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands, more than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies, all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com I get so excited I forget to hit the unmute button, but I'm so excited every time I listen to the Titus Center because if you haven't checked it out yet, go online and look at the franchise hot seat for some emerging brands as they present to uh, a panel their brands and what they'd like to do with them and seek help. 
I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the call today, on the show rather, and thank you to Jeremy Morgan with WellBiz Brands, and also a huge thank you to our new contributor, Tom Porterfield. We appreciate our Million Dollar Mentors, Jerry Akers, who just got back from fishing in Canada. Wait till you hear from him. Next week, Andrea Mundy, Ray Pillar, and Karen Kimsey scored for their continued commitment and insights. Thank you, of course, to Laura Liff, our franchise lawyer, and last but not least, a shout of thanks to our producer, Fred McMurray. I am Kristen Shalmetzi, your fifth franchising mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great week.